it, it's not that um, I'm you not are, a Christmas you guy. An, you are an angry elf. No, I'm Just not. owned it. No, I'm not. You're an angry, oversized elf. Ah, uh, humbug. Yeah. I'm not. I, I'm really not. Just get the hell out of my way. Okay. That's it. So you're a grumpy Santa. All you got to do is put the hat on. Do you know what it, I mean, you're a big guy, but you're not a big guy in that you're a fat guy. You're you're just tall and, and physically big. Do you know what it's like every time this time of year that you get hit? Oh, you, why don't you dress up like Santa this year? <laughs> it's at least three or four different places. Like, if you and I are alone in the studio here in New York, everybody yeah. else is in Bristol. Uh, if I were up there, I'm sure... That's inevitably you just can't look at me and not say, let's, let's get Carlin to play Santa. I mean, if somebody approaches you with that, do you report them to HR? No. Okay. No, I, I'm, uh, I don't know if you can tell. I have a bit of a thick skin. Okay. All right. <laughs> but I just, you know, listen, I've never done it. I would do it. You've never done it? I've never done it. I've even dressed up as Santa. I haven't done that. Yeah. I would do it. Just don't ask me yeah, to do it. Yeah. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, and on the ESPN app presented by Progressive Insurance. I'll tell you what, going to feel an awful lot like a white Christmas up in Buffalo this weekend when Tua and the Dolphins go up north. You know, it's funny. Mm. When we talk about teams going down to Miami to prepare for the heat, I feel like the, the Dolphins should be up in Buffalo practicing this week and getting ready yeah, for this game. I don't know if you can get ready for cold weather. You just have to get acclimated to it, Carlin, and that takes a long time. If you're not in a cold-weather climate, then it's hard to get used or to get used to playing in that cold, you know, if you're going to a, a place just spending a couple of days there. So that's the thing that, that's really weird about it, and Bill Parcells told us this. When I was playing for the Dallas Cowboys, he said a cold player is not a fast player. Yeah. And one of the things that we have credited Tua with is being quick when it comes to making his decisions in the pocket and getting rid of the football. One of the things we laud about this Miami Dolphins offense is just how fast these guys are. Trent Sherfield and Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill. Now, maybe the cold weather won't affect Tyreek Hill as much because he spent years in Kansas City and it gets cold as hell out there. But them other guys on that Dolphins offense, good luck with that. And with Tua specifically, a guy that played in Alabama, warm weather climate, a guy who's from Hawaii, warm weather climate, going up to Buffalo mm. in December with a half a foot of snow expected on Saturday and temperatures being in the 20s, yeah. I don't necessarily know if this is going to be if this is going to be a situation where he's going to have a bounce back game. Let me just put it that way. Well, he was asked about it, as you would expect. And what the weather's going to be like. Can you tell us back in the spring you actually went to a cold weather location? Yeah. What, can you tell us a story about that? Yeah, I went to Maryland um, to, to go visit my brother after the season. And uh, it was pretty cold up there. Uh, it was probably like in the 20s. Um, and there was snow on the ground too. So got to uh, test that out. Um, got to throw up there with a couple of his guys. So yeah, that was that was good. What did, what did you learn from that experience? Uh, I think, I don't know, me me personally, and it might be a mindset thing too, but I it, it felt really good throwing it while it was snowing. You know, I, I can't give anything more than that. Like, I, you know, I didn't feel any any effects of throwing in the snow. I went to Maryland. You went to Maryland? Cold weather climate, you went to Maryland? Listen, I played. I thought he was going to say, wow, it got all the way down to 50. <laughs> no, no. I, I played my college ball at Virginia, so not too far from Maryland. But I was in Charlottesville. That's in the mountains. Yeah. It gets cold. Mm-hmm. All right? Let me tell you something. Western New York, Orchard Park, 
That's a different type of cold. You don't know it. That, you that's, don't know it that's until Canadian you experience cold. It. That is Arctic blast cold, Carlin. It is wow. freezing up there. And let me tell you something. When that wind gets to whipping around Ooh. and that snow and that wintry mix starts coming down and you don't have the benefit of having the sun out there because it's nighttime, <laughs> let me tell you something. You go, if they needed heaters on the sidelines in SoFi Stadium on Sunday <laughs> night playing the Chargers when it was 55 degrees in L.A., what the hell are they going to need on the sidelines in, in the Buffalo Bills Stadium? God <laughs> bless them. And here's the thing, Carlin. We're not just pulling this out of thin air. We're not just creating some kind no! of controversy. You're talking about. Tua is 0-3 when temperature at kickoff is 50 degrees or less. And coincidentally, his worst three QBR games are all in those games. There used to be a stat about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and I don't know what it's currently at. But the organization as a whole was something like 1-48 and 48 in games that were below freezing. Yeah, yeah it's not great. It's you not don't great. get used to it it's, just by going and tossing a ball around in Maryland. Yeah, and you know what else is not happening in Maryland when he's tossing the ball around with his brother? He doesn't have A.J. Epinesa and Matt Milano trying no. to cut him in half. This is true. So he doesn't have that either. And, and where... Uh, what's it called now? Aramark or Caremark, Highmark Stadium? I, it... Ralph Wilson Stadium. Yeah. What, apologies to the sponsor up there. Uh, it is on kind of a level plane that that wind whips oh, around. Like, yeah, right, you know what? Cold. I'm going to stop talking about it. You've played there in the cold. Yeah, Describe it gets it. cold as hell. And I played in a primetime game in 2007 when I was with the Dallas Cowboys. And, Carlin, it was early October in that game. And it was freezing cold. <laughs> it was free- Now, the temperature might have been, you know, low 40s or something like that. It was cold, Carlin. I was cold then. Now I've played in there later on in the season, you know, when you would expect it to be really, really cold. There's nothing that you can do to prepare your body for that. It's more of a mindset that you have to approach it with. But, Carlin, as much as you can tell yourself this is not going to be a factor, unless you're used to playing in cold weather, this is going to be something that impacts the complexion of the game, especially when it comes to a quarterback that struggled the last two weeks. And, Carlin, the other layer that we're adding on to that is defense is finally catching up with the Mike McDaniel offense yeah. and having adjustments to counter the speed that they're trying to approach in the passing game. I, I, I honestly, listen, I, I just see no way that the Dolphins can win this game because of those conditions. I see no way that it's going to happen. Well, and that's great, Carlin. I, I get where you're coming from. I'm, I'm of the same opinion. But here's why it's important for Tua to win this game. The Miami Dolphins came into this year trying to figure out whether or not they had a franchise quarterback, and they, in effect, eliminated every single excuse. You got a bad offensive line? We're going to pay the best left tackle on the market in Taron Armstead. We're going to trade for Tyreek Hill, the fastest player with the football in his hands in the National Football League. You got Jalen Waddle. We traded for Bradley Chubb in the middle of the season to upgrade the pass rush on the other side of the ball because we expect our offense to allow us to be playing with the lead. Carlin, they've done all of these things around to it. We got you an offensive-minded coach. Got rid of the defensive-minded coach in Brian Flores who won double-digit games for you. Got rid of him. Got you an offensive-minded coach in Mike McDaniel. This is supposed to be the year that Tua takes that next step. And at times, it's looked like he's taking that step. But, Carlin, the way we truly know he's a franchise quarterback is if you can go on the road in a division in December and win a game, 
that means something for your playoff prospects. This is that opportunity right now. This is when we get to see what Tua is made of. This is when we get to see whether it's real or not. I, I'm, I'm fascinated. It just popped into my head. If you had to guess, what do you believe that the numbers are for Tua in terms of completions in the game? Completions in the game. Right I'm, now, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say I'm gonna say it's at fifteen and a half. Uh and now I can't find it. It's not here. They haven't put it up yet. I think they're waiting to see what the forecast is. They they have two at two hundred and forty one and a half passing yards is the over under. Wow, jump on the under. <laughs> wow, two forty one and a half. That's uh, I mean. Uh, that one I'll give that, you the L that, word. That's interesting. That's the old Lockadini right there. That's interesting. What do they know that we don't know? Because it, it looks – here's the thing. We we keep talking about this offense and, and, and what's happened the last couple of weeks without describing what defensive coordinators are doing. Carlin, they're moving away from playing man coverage against these receivers. They're playing zone coverage, and they're packing the middle of the field between the numbers – and they're forcing Tua to throw it to the outside. Tua against zone coverage over the last two weeks, he's got a QBR of eight. Carlin, a QBR, a single-digit QBR, eight. and he's thrown two interceptions. Versus man, his QBR is 47. So he hasn't been great against man, but he's abysmal versus zone coverage. You know who plays a lot of zone coverage? The Buffalo Bills. Yeah. 60% of the time they're in zone coverage, Carlin, They've got 10 interceptions, which is fourth most in the NFL in zone coverage. Good luck against this defense now that Sean McDermott has the blueprint, thanks to D'Amico Ryans and Brandon Staley over the last two weeks, on how to defend this offense. So let's see if we got this right. Our play of the night so far is under 241.5 passing yards for Tua. Yeah, and the Carolina Panthers to win the NFC South. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Here we go. We'll, we'll, figure out what kind of a, we'll figure out what kind of a parlay that plays out. <laughs> Kenty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. Save on commercial auto insurance from Progressive. Get a fast quote at ProgressiveCommercial.com. You know, it honestly, as much as people do not want to admit it, or even believe it, one of the worst teams in the NFL is not very far from turning it all around. We'll explain next. Canteen Carlin, ESPN Radio, and on the ESPN app. Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sportsbook bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Tired of ads interrupting your favorite sports podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music, included with your Prime membership. Amazon Music offers the most ad-free top podcasts. Enjoy shows like First Take, Pardon the Interruption, and The Low Post, available ad-free and uninterrupted. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or go to Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods. That's Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. I don't want you to fall out of your seat when I say it. Mm. There's a team that's really not that far from turning it around, especially if they get the right coach in place this offseason. Okay. 
It's the Denver Broncos. I'm not giving in yet. It's Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app presented by Progressive Insurance. Look, I know it was met with silence, and I understand why. When you watch Russell Wilson play this year, it's been an absolute disaster for him in every way possible. Mm -hmm. I don't believe that he lost it overnight. Mm -hmm. I do believe that they, meaning the Broncos, brought in Nathaniel Hackett, believing they were going to be getting Aaron Rodgers by doing that. Okay. That was a fail. They didn't get him. Yeah. Then you went after Russell Wilson and just assumed that you could fit the square peg in the round hole with his system and Russell Wilson, which I think is a big reason why this has gone so south this year. I know that a lot of his throws have been bad, but he has looked not on the same page as a lot of the guys on that offense all year. Yeah, that sounds good, Carlin, but I'm watching that Chiefs game on Sunday. They got a fourth and two at midfield. Russell Wilson rolls out and throws a pick six to Willie Gay. I mean, that pick six ain't on Nathaniel Hackett. That ain't on the receivers not running the right route. That's on Russell Wilson. We got to stop coming up with excuses. For I'm not coming up with excuses. Playing well, I, I, he's, he's not playing, playing like well. Trash. He's been horrible, awful. I, I won't say any of that. Okay, but do you, when you look at their defense and you look at the the guys that they do have on De- offense, defense is El Pale that end of the bargain. Their defense yes. is top five in scoring, and, and they do have a couple of weapons on offense that they should be able to take more advantage of. I'm not going to give up on Wilson quite yet if I can get a coach in there who knows what he's doing. And that's a big if, because we've talked about this not necessarily being an attractive job. But I I can't give up on Russell Wilson yet. Well, here's why I can put more blame on Russell Wilson. There. Here's why I can put more blame on Russell Wilson than I typically would when it comes to a quarterback. Russell Wilson wanted out of Seattle, Carlin, because he wanted more say on what was going on in the organization. More say in terms of personnel, more say in terms of what the game plan would look like in the call sheet. He got that in Denver. Well, this word been... on word on the street is that he's got his own office, not his locker. He's got his own office in the building, mm-hmm. so he's got some swing in that organization. Nathaniel Hackett ain't putting together a game plan that Russell Wilson ain't signing off on, so he's got to own what the hell this looks like. This disaster of an offense. It's absolutely atrocious, Carlin. Awful. I, I I'm not going to disagree with anything that you just said. The ability is still in there. I don't do think we it's know? gone. How do we know? I don't think you lose it that quickly at 34. I don't think he does. Knowing The one thing that we cannot deny about Russell Wilson is he's probably the hardest worker on that team. And for me, when that's the case, it's one thing when you lose it that quick and you haven't exactly been busting it because that'll happen. I don't believe that he has lost it that quickly when he has always been that guy. But when I look around, Chris, of the other teams that have a chance to turn it around quickly, or or teams that are really struggling well, this year. Well, we're basing this off of the teams that got eliminated from the playoffs this past right. week, right? The so, Bears. so there are three teams that have been eliminated from the playoffs this year, this week. The Bears, the Texans, and the Denver Broncos. So right. that's the impetus for this conversation right now. Right. Yeah. So do you believe that the Broncos can't be that team? No, I don't think the Broncos are that team. I don't think they're the right answer. Who's the, the right, right answer? I think the right answer is the Chicago Bears. Because of one guy. Because of one guy. Yeah. Because of their quarterback. I think the Bears, going into next season, will have the best quarterback in the division. 
Now, they have a lot they, of things working for them. They do. They have their draft picks, and that pick, one of their picks is going to be in the top five. I think it's third right now based on the current records. But then they'll also have over $110 million in cap space, Carlin. Yep. Nearly double the team that has the second most cap space. Pick is third. So that's where the Chicago Bears are at. And they've got picks in every single round. Now, they don't have their own second-round pick, but they do have a second-round pick by virtue of the Roquan Smith trade. Right. That'll be the Ravens pick. Right. So they have the ammunition to make this team a lot better, to reshape the supporting cast around Justin Fields. And the great part about what's happening right now, Carlin, is that they're getting an extended look at what the strengths and weaknesses of their quarterback are so they can make sure that they find the pieces that complement what he does best. I love the Chicago Bears game plan. They couldn't have scripted it any better. You wanted to answer the question of whether or not you got a franchise quarterback while also making sure that you don't stack too many wins that you put yourself in a position where you don't have a top-five pick. They've done that, mission accomplished. The only thing now is to get Justin Fields out of this season healthy, which it seems like they're going to do. Carlin, I think this is the team that has the opportunity to get this thing turned around the quickest out of those three. I think we can both agree it's not the Texans. The Texans are no. th- the Texans are three years away from being two years away. Who's the Texans coach next year? It's not Lovey. No. I'm assuming it's Josh McCown. So what, what we hear, Maybe it won't be that now that Easterby's gone. I know we'll have plenty of time to have this conversation. Yeah. But why are the Texans doing this to, to, to the coaches? Why are they why did they do that to Dave Cully? Last year, why are they doing this to Lovey Smith this year, making them wear the, these horrific records when it's clear what the franchise is doing? Maybe because they just are looking for. Well, I think there's no question in my mind why it was Lovey Smith this year. Nobody else wanted the job. Well, but also because they couldn't hire Josh McCown. They, they you could not justify it at not, the time. Not with what was going on. No. Absolutely not. Yeah. After the Brian Flores suit. And yeah. you shouldn't hire Josh McCown to begin with. Yeah. Now, here's the one thing that I really think people may not be paying as much attention to. I don't know if the McCown thing was 100% Jack Easterby, but a, a very uh, interesting offshoot of the Jeff Saturday hiring is that they may look, people may look at that with less of a raised eyebrow if Saturday actually has a little bit more success, success here. And well, they may be counting on people looking at it a little bit differently than they would have been last year. And you're not wrong about that, Carlin. And but, it's absurd. But, but when that happens, if and when that happens, we're going to have to fire up the conversations about fair and equitable opportunities for black head coaches compared to their white counterparts. Uh, Josh McCown should not be a head coach in the NFL. Not right now. You know what's going to happen, though. You know what's going to happen? They're greasing the skids by letting Dave Cully and Lovey Smith have these awful seasons with Deshaun Watson not being the starting quarterback of the Texans and that team having no chance at being competitive. Here's how you know it's a great tease when I have no idea what it's talking about. One NBA, one NBA star everybody wrote off is about to win the MVP. Well, at least later this year. And I, for the, for the life of me, in my head, I can't get what it is. Oh, now I just got it. Canteen Carlin, ESPN Radio. You're going to want to hear this. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. 
But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. LeBron's not intermoral, into moral victories, understandable, but I'm, I, I just I don't know what to do with the Lakers right now. It's Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. We are presented by Progressive Insurance, insurance for motorcycles, boats, and RVs, for protection on the road and on the water. See how much you can save at 1-800-PROGRESSIVE and at Progressive.com. Right now, we welcome in ESPN NBA analyst Tim Legler, who joins us on the line. Tim, we appreciate a few minutes, and let's just start there. What are we supposed to do with the Lakers right now? How are we supposed to look at the <laughs> Lakers right now? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those situations where ultimately they are what their record says they are. They're not a very good basketball team because they don't do a lot of the things you need to do, the details that it matters to win games. And, and that's, that's just a fact about their roster. We know that they've got enough talent with their top two players that they're going to win games, particularly if Anthony Davis is rolling offensively. He's a tough matchup. You're going to win games, but there are things that they don't do well enough consistently to be more than what they are. This is a bad basketball team. I said before the year, even if Anthony Davis and LeBron James stayed healthy the entire season and only got their normal you know, load management nights that everybody gets now, so that's about, what, seven to ten of those. So if both of these guys play 75 games, let's say. I said before the year, their ceiling, even with a healthy roster, was nine in the West. That was their absolute ceiling, which means play in. And then you got those two guys. Maybe you even escape the play in somehow. You lose in the first round to a very good team at the top of the Western Conference, whoever that would end up being. And that's basically what they are. And, and last night was a wild ride. It's probably the strangest game I've watched in recent memory. Um, the swings in that game, it looked like Boston was on its way to a 40 point win. And they're up 20. Next thing, they're down 13. It was one of the strangest runs I've ever seen a team go on with the Lakers did. And then Boston erases it in three and a half minutes to close the game out because the Lakers don't take, have good quality possessions. They don't make free throws when they have to. They have defensive breakdowns at critical times to get that game to overtime. And then Boston took over. So the real Lakers and what they have been surfaced at the end of that game. And uh, it was a gut punch for them because they thought they had it in the bag up 13 with 350 left. Yeah, I'm just tired of seeing Anthony Davis miss free throws late in the fourth quarter. Happened against the Philadelphia 76ers over the weekend. It happened again last night. But, Tim, I digress. In looking at the team that was on the other side of that matchup last night, the Boston Celtics, it was impressive to see them fight their way back at the end of the regulation and then win in overtime. But this is a team that's coming off of back-to-back embarrassing losses to the Golden State Warriors and the L.A. Clippers. I know they've got the record to say that says they're the best team in the NBA, but, Tim, is this the best team in the league right now? 
Yeah, it's the best team in the league, and I, and I agree with you. With the po- point you made first, which I, is my big takeaway from the game last night, was not so much about the Lakers coughing that up because bad teams do that. It was the fact that Boston had that game well in hand, allowed that ridiculous run. I mean, I don't even know what the final numbers ended up being. It was like a 35-5 to run against them. At the end of a road trip, the last game, you're on game six, you're tired, you want to get home, you fall down by that deficit with that amount of time to go. There aren't a lot of teams that were going to dig that deep to fight to win that game and make pressure shot after pressure shot. Um, the way that they did. So I took more out of what the Celtics did. I just thought it was a tremendous gut check for them. Like, how bad do you want to be a champion? And, and you got to win games like that against a bad team on the road if they open the door. And they did it, and they and they grabbed it. And it, so for me, that was my big takeaway. And I know they didn't play well the two prior, prior games, but you know what? We are just starting the dog days of the season. And I know this from a, being a former player. From mid-December to the end of January, those six weeks, you are you are tired. A lot of places you go is cold weather. Hell, I'm out in L.A. right now, and it's even cold out here. So everywhere you go, you know, your body starts to feel things. The adrenaline for the beginning of the year is worn off. The playoffs are too far out in the future to really, you know, use that to, to energize you. These are the toughest games to play, and you're not going to be great every night. So they had a blip on this road trip. They're shorthanded, by the way, missing a couple key guys. And uh, they still go 4-2 and two on the trip. That's my bigger takeaway, that they finished it off emphatically by coming back in that game and winning it and having a much more enjoyable uh, flight back across the country. So they're the best team in the NBA, um, and I think they've, they've been that pretty much the entire year. And I don't think really anybody's on the same shelf as them. I think Milwaukee has established themselves clear-cut number two team in the league, but they're not quite on Boston's level yet until Chris Middleton rounds back into form. What did it dip below seventy? It's a little cold in LA too. <laughs> Man, we had hey, hey, listen. That's what I was thinking. I'm an idiot because I didn't check the weather. I, you know, I'm coming to LA. I don't get out here that often during the course of the season. I'm usually back on the East Coast, all these cold weather cities. And I, I come out here. I was not prepared. It, it was like, you know, it got to the upper 40s, like low 50s last night. I was shocked, man. For oh, LA, I oh, wow. Sun. Tragedy. Forgot to pack a light sweater, did you? I some warmth, man. <laughs> I, I, was, I was like, you've got to be kidding me right now, you know, but. Hey, you know, I guess I guess if that's as bad as it gets, you don't have too many complaints out here in Southern California. Yeah, well, Tim's a Philly guy, so he does no cold. There's no doubt about that. It's Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app. Tim, what's wrong with the Golden State Warriors? Yeah, it's, they're, a, they're a mystery to me because it's all there, but they just can't put it together at all on the road. And, and then defensively, sometimes they are so bad – they're one of the best defensive teams, defensive rating-wise, at home. They're third from last in the league on the road. That doesn't make sense. Like You either have good defensive principles and personnel and game plan and execution, or you don't. And that kind of thing usually travels. So they've been a mystery to me. I, you know, I, look, I picked them to repeat in large part because I expected Clay Thompson to, to you know, find his, his consistent, dominant form again um, when he gets a full season under his belt and a full offseason of health. Um, and those young guys to take a big step forward, you know, Wiseman, Kaminga, Moody. And so cause they need those young legs. They need the size. They need the athleticism defensively. That hasn't really happened. I mean, Wiseman just got back from the G League. Moody hasn't been in the rotation at all. Kaminga finally is starting to get consistent minutes. So he's going to continue to grow and get better as the year goes on. 
But, the, you know, Clay's been inconsistent. So the things I expected to happen haven't yet. But this, they're a long way from having written the final chapter on that team. I just think a regular season is probably not nearly as important to them as most of these other teams that are, have their foot on the gas pedal because they've been to six finals in eight years. It, it does take a toll, and it makes the regular season a little bit less interesting. I still think you're going to see the Warriors go on a run you know, after the first of the year, at some point in the second half of the season, and remind everybody what they're capable of on both ends. And, and then maybe some more people will start to buy into the fact that, hey, maybe this team can get back to the finals or win another championship. Tim, as a basketball fan, is it, is it okay to trust what we're seeing from Zion and the Pelicans? <laughs> yeah, I think, yes, I do. I think so. And the most impressive thing is, you know, they just did a lot of this recently without Brandon Ingram, who is, is that guy at 6'10", that can get a shot off against anybody in, in a live ball situation. He, right, he's that long wing that can go get buckets mid-range to the rim from deep. Every team in the league needs a guy that can just go get his own shot from anywhere on the floor. D.J. McCollum is such an upgrade for them at point. They finished the year so strong a year ago. You add a healthy Zion to the mix. I've been saying all year, like, you know, give me that big three. I'm good, man. You give me McCollum, Ingram, and Zion Williamson, I am going to round out that roster, and we're going to be a problem. And the fact that they've done it as much as they have without Ingram and with C.J. McCollum really <laughs> struggling to make shots, to me, it, it can't get any more impressive than 18-9 with the way it has gone for them, particularly because Zion now is, is, is that guy that's showing up every night and understanding I'm getting the best everybody can throw at me right now, and I'm backing up. You know what? What I want people to think I am night in, night out. And, you know what he did in game two with that Phoenix back to back with all that trash talking at the end of the game when he had that breakaway dunk and Phoenix took exception to it and all the jawing. <laughs> they come right back forty eight hours later and play them, and he drops thirty plus on an efficient night. That told me a lot about who Zion Williamson is because he put himself in the crosshairs and he backed it up in another win against Phoenix. So yes, they're legit. Will they be the number one seed at the end of the day? I don't know about that, but I do think there's a team that could get to the conference finals, and that should be their goal. Great. Who wants some smoke with Zion Williamson? <laughs> yeah, who's who's who, lining who up for wants, that? Who wants that, Tim? <laughs> That's what I'm saying, man. Listen, listen. You do not you do not want a piece of that when a dude who shoots makes 68 percent of his shots inside of 10 feet. You you can talk all you want to a dude like that. You better make sure you got a lot of backup. Because it's going to take a lot more than one dude to keep him from getting to his spots, man. You better have, you better have an alley full of dudes ready for a rock fight. Awesome stuff, Tim. We appreciate it. We'll Venmo, we'll Venmo you a few bucks so you can pick up a fleece. Stay warm out yeah, there. Yeah, I need a scarf or something, man. I got to go get a something out here. That's crazy out here in LA right now. Tim Legler, ESPN NBA analyst. Great stuff right there. Kenty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, and on the ESPN app. What's the line? If you come at the king, you better not miss. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. what it feels like with Zion. No doubt. Uh, we have show-on-show show crime to report in just moments, and that's Ooh. inside our own show. And monumental night last night for one all-time great. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And... Boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! 
dived. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. We haven't had it in quite some time. It's overdue. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio. It's a little segment we call On Thin Ice. It is hosted by the one and only Ryan Matlack, who joins us right now on the monumental occasion of career goal number 800 for Alexander Ovechkin last night, as seen on ESPN. Go ahead, Mike. What do you got? Let's go. Uh, hello, Chrissy's. Uh, real quick, Mark, if you don't mind, let's bring that music back up here. Let's get, let's get the theme going. It's kind of inauthentic without it. There we go. Look at him uh, directing things around. Love it. Love Look at him. It. Trying to do a little, little producing. Um, gentlemen, <laughs> what a game last night. It was awesome that it was on ESPN, uh, which was very timely. By the way, I'm wearing an Oilers uh, sweater right now. Not an Ovechkin. There's two reasons behind that. Uh, I don't own one. And mm-hmm. secondly... He is uh, on his way, as we'll talk about here, to breaking uh, Wayne Gretzky's all-time goal record. It's incredible that anybody is close to doing that, but Mm -hmm. specifically the fact that it's somebody that was in many ways a savior of the league after the lockout 0405, along with Sidney Crosby. The fact that we're seeing this part of his career play out with, I mean, he's going on 40 and he's going to probably break this record easily. The fact that we're seeing this right now is really cool because I think he deserves it. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, Mr. Canty. I'm feeling yes. like this was a mistake. But anyway, go ahead. Yes. It's not a mistake. <laughs> What's w- up? What part What part would it be a mistake real quick, Mr. I, I'm, I'm just kidding. Saying, just kidding. You're saying we shouldn't have done this segment? No, we absolutely or we should have done, done this shorter. segment. And we got to show some respect to Ovi, who's a legend on the ice and off the ice in D.C. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. But, Honestly, but just think about but just But just to contextualize all of this and what he's doing, he's one goal away from passing Gordie Howe. Yeah. In goal in the NHL. Do you know how long Gordie Howe played in the NHL? 41 years. Gordie Howe played 26 years in so the NHL. So wasn't that far off. 26, now 32 years in total because yeah. he played in the WHA, but 26 years in the NHL. Led the league in scoring six times. Ovi's about to pass that guy. That right. is insane. We return to On Thin Ice. Well, the best part about that, too, is that everybody knows Gordie Howe for the Gordie Howe hat trick. And last night, to get to 800, Ovechkin scores a hat trick. Like, and the best part is he had two goals before the first period was even over. He's playing some of his best hockey right now. I think he's got like eight goals in the last five games. And what was very cool is that that uh, rejoin we had coming in featured that tremendous This Is Sports Center commercial where Ovechkin is, you know, go, going into the files and Levy catches him. Well, Steve Levy calls the game last night, calls all three goals. I thought that was very cool, uh, certainly for the network, but yet that's it. It comes all the way around. Mm Harlan, back to you. Wow. That was a lot to get packed in. Here was the show on show crime, though. Right before this, Matt Lack, uh, in my ear, as we had Tim Legler on, our producer Evan Wilner says, you can go long. It's only on thin ice (laughs) next. In other words, he, he was ready to shoot you down. He wanted this to be... 40 seconds at best. Well, mm. listen, we are uh, 35 seconds left, by the way. Uh, yeah. yes. On Ice is always getting um, friendly fire. We're okay with it. It's part of chirping in hockey. That's how it goes. It motivates us. It makes us better, one might say. And also, you yourself, Carlin, have called this segment this, wordy in the past. This all, yes, this all would have been done 30 <laughs> seconds ago if you guys just took my advice. 10 seconds. <laughs> you have uh, you've been out with Ovi. 
I've been out with Ovi. Five Too seconds. Bad we're running out Ovi, of time Ovi, here. Ovi, Ovi is a good time. <laughs> Ovi, Ovi knows how to keep Jealous. <laughs>